There was a thing recently I saw. I've seen it twice. Once, obviously, filming in her home, and then once being interviewed at an award ceremony with Jamie Lee Curtis oh, yeah. talking about how they need to start uh, programming matinees of concerts for the older generation who want to be in bed by half past nine, if not earlier, and that she loves live music, but going to a concert that starts at eight o'clock at night and and then the main headlining event doesn't even start till half past nine. It's just way past anything that she can possibly commit to. And so she's pushing for it. I mean, it's not like officially a campaign, but the fact that I, who is sort of technically rubbish, have bumped into that um, you know, recording a few times in several different places. She's obviously pushing for yeah. it. And there's something in it. There's it's something to be so said. Brilliant. I, I saw it too. And I thought, my goodness, what a good idea. Yeah. Because I think the matinee gets a bad reputation. There's this sort of idea that it's somehow um, half-hearted or not really as good as going in the evening. But yes. actually, it's got so much going for it. I yeah, went yeah, to yeah. Um, the ballet and this week and went to, in fact, I've been to a lot of matinees this week. And um, But I went to a ballet one and in the evening there's always this terrible thing at the end because ballets are generally quite long and they've got a lot of intervals even if they're quite short they usually run at about three hours right and so at the end everybody even if they've adored it is jumping out of their seats and running to catch the last train home because obviously even in London a lot of people live outside London and come in for things and uh, whereas at a matinee, you get this lovely kind of atmosphere where everybody sits back in their seats yeah. and they applaud and it's unrushed and you can see them then wandering off to have tea or yes, supper. Yes. And I, I think the matinee generally is one of the great um, theatrical events, really. I love a matinee. I, I wonder where the term matinee idol comes from as well. Is there something about that, it being a sort of... What's the word? No, I was going to say beta, like B, being you know the the, the going to the evening is the oh, yeah. is the alpha and that matinee is the beta. Is that that? I hadn't thought that, of that, but maybe because may, it definitely comes from sort of film, doesn't it? And yeah. I thought it came from the idea that it would be the women who went to the went to films in the afternoon, right, together right, right. and sort of. Oh, okay. But you might be right that I don't know. I can't think of a better slightly, phrase. Slightly. Um, rude about it you know so yeah. derisory that if you're a matinee idol you're not really a proper actor you're just a gorgeous person this is a softer <laughs> version of something rather than the hardcore version of something it's very interesting I don't know where it comes from but it is it is really really interesting because we were talking about it at work the other day because because I'm at the chocolate factory there is a well we do a Sunday matinee but the the only two show day is a Saturday and on most shows you get two two show days and there is something that happens in the second show, or indeed in the first show, knowing that you're together for the whole day. Right. There's an immersion that happens rather than, I think, not that you bring in less of your day with you, but that that somehow um, living with the show for a few more hours does something to you. And also, of course, having done a show the night before, you haven't had that full 24 hours since you did it the last time. So effectively what you're doing is three in a row because you've got the evening, the matinee and the evening. And there's so, so things occur because maybe in that relaxation you leave yourself alone a bit. So actually, 
you know, from a performing point of view, matinees are really, really interesting. That's interesting. We thought we'd talk about the matinee. Yeah. On this week's instalment of As the Actress Said to the Critic, with me, the critic, Sarah Crompton. And with me, the actress, Nancy Carroll. And it is partly inspired by the fact that um, I haven't seen as much of Nancy as usual because she has been on stage in Marjorie Prime and this weekend had two matinees. Yeah. And an evening performance. But also, I'm always fascinated by that, by... By, by what happens at a matinee from an acting point of view, do you have a sense that it's a different audience? Um, often um, it's older and, you know, for obvious reasons and, you know, and the, but that also I think when it isn't an evening out, you know, traditionally Thursday, Friday, Saturday, what you get on a matinee audience, often people have booked way in advance because often the matinees sell very, very quickly. Um, you get a lot of schools will come to matinees if it's a midweek matinee. Uh, equally, a Monday, Tuesday, sometimes even a Wednesday. It it shows that people really want to be there. They are coming to see that show. Yeah. It's not like, oh, this is my entertainment for the weekend. Not that, that you know, the... the that detracts from the experience, but it's a slightly different energy. Sometimes you feel on a Friday or a Saturday, there's a sense as an audience are sitting back, right? And you have to pull them in, yeah. As opposed to a matinee or an early week performance, they they come sitting forward. Yeah, that's really interesting because that's actually what it feels like in the audience. So, I've always been a fan of the matinee, partly from. Um, a sort of happy childhood memory, really, of we didn't um, go to the theatre that much. We weren't theatre going as a family. But we did um, sometimes when we were on holiday. Yeah. For reasons that are slightly obscure to me now, um, go to matinees, to Agatha Christie matinees. Oh, amazing. And they used to be sort of, I remember one really distinctly in Minehead, which was kind of going into the theatre and it was hot and dusty and then you were inside. But also, um, you know, end of pier, South End, I think, has got a, a theatre at the end of the pier or used to have right. where you could go on a wet day as well. Oh, brilliant. So, yeah, you know, yeah. obviously, because British holidays are so often wet. And then you would absorb yourself in the world of um, Agatha Christie, who is, of course, perfect matinee uh, fodder. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joe's doing the Agatha Christie. He's doing the uh, witness for the prosecution at the county hall at the moment. Um, and it's brilliant. And, uh, you know, he, they, they, I think they're doing as well as, if not better than they were before COVID, Gosh. which is fantastic. It's yeah. a testament to Agatha Christie. It's yeah. a testament to the cast and to Lucy Bailey's production. Um, and Emily Lloyd, the producer who had the idea, which she originated in York. It's in the old uh, GLC debating yeah, chamber. Yeah, it's brilliant. So it's such an amazing setting. Yeah, and it's and it's wonderful. And um, and he's sort of been coming back with some amazing stories. And I must do a quick shout out to Rosie, who's been listening to say thank you because that's been being fed back that, that she's enjoying nice. the podcast. So thank you for listening, Rosie. Thank you very much, uh, yeah. Rosie. And I mean that is an example that I always feel that the audience. Uh, you do lean in to a matinee. Yeah, and, you know, Christie is perfect because it is that kind of. Um, plot involvement and, and and that kind of sense of wanting to be lost in a story, which I suppose in a sense is like the cinema matinee. Yeah. But also I think it's something, there's something kind of special about having taken time out of your day yes. to be there. And actually, oddly, it makes it a really kind of special event. I went, one of the matinees I went to this week because I'm having a, a, a patch of sort of catching up on things that I'd missed. Um, I went to see Standing at the Sky's Edge, 
at the National Theatre. With Richard Hawley's music. Amazing. Richard Hawley's lovely music and um, a a book by uh, Chris Bush. And it's been a huge success. I mean, yeah. it's a, it launched in Sheffield. It's about a Sheffield housing estate and the stories that happen there about the Park Hall estate. And it's, I was really conscious of how, um, how it landed in a room full of people who'd obviously made a special attempt to be there. Yes, yes. And who were absolutely determined to have a nice time. Yeah. And I, I think that that's the other quality of a matter. And quite often you feel that everybody there just kind of valuing what's happening. And what was interesting about that, and again, it reminded me of things in the past, was that it was a really mixed audience because yes. it was obviously older people, but there were quite a lot of people who I did think had sort of taken time out to go and catch it. And also you get loads of students and yeah. young people because yeah. that's the other audience for matinees because the tickets are cheap. Yeah. If you live outside London and you can come down from somewhere and still get home at Yes, matinee. yes. Um, and I used to, again, that reminded me of my past because that was one of my kind of great pleasures was um, we lived in Oxford when I was growing up. And I used to get the train down and come and see a show. Yes. And then sometimes squeeze in a show in the evening. So you have a two show day. Yeah. Which, which the same thing happens, that sense of immersion. But more often just get the train back while it was still light and while, <laughs> while yeah. the trains were still running. And, and it always felt really kind of like a moment of just being allowed into another world that was outside your own world somehow. So, you know, you'd be doing your work or your studies or whatever, but you'd taken a step into, you know, a a different story. And and it kind of felt refreshing. But I think it's it's like giving into something, isn't it? Because I remember years and years ago going to see Coast of Utopia that was on at the the National and when they did His Dark Materials and you, if you try and do both episodes, as it were, in, in one day, yeah. you're in for the day. It's yeah. like, you know, when you've got a day to travel across the world or something, you, you just give in to it. That you're on somebody else's programme. You lose all control, but there's a sort of free fall joy in that. You're like, well, I can't go anywhere. I've got to wait for the plane. I might as well buy another pret sandwich. You know, and it, it's not it, not the same level, but it's there's something about you being shut into a room with however many other hundred people who are committing to this story. And there's a complete joy. I remember uh, his dark materials and coming back for that second performance. Yeah. And and just that collective breath as the lights went down for the second story that everyone's just hungry for it. Yeah. And and it's it's a commitment to something that is childlike and pure and, and glorious that... It takes effort to to do that to to be in a theatre for a whole day, um, but but the release and and the you know the immersion means that you get all this other stuff for nothing you know because the quality of listening because people aren't distracted they're not having to rush from anywhere so the listening changes it's yeah. more intense yeah um, and. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I mean, that that is true because, well, I was thinking of separate matinees, but it is true that when you get sort of theatrical trilogies or theatrical um, doubles, yeah. it, it is that is the most as kind of wonderful th- release, really. I remember going to see at Chichester. Yeah. They did a young Chekhov programme, which started with uh, David Hare's adaptation of Platonov, and then it had Ivanov, and then there was Cherry Auction. Yeah. And it was just... 
you know, a whole day of Chekhov, quite different plays, plays that the first two that you don't see that often. And it just absolutely swept you along. And it yes. was quite tiring. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it was quite an effort yes. to be there. But you felt that you'd given this commitment to the show and that you were... What I love about theatre is when it makes you feel that you're kind of learning something, really. And, and you, so because you were seeing the three plays so close together, you felt the development of the writing. And even though they were so contrasting, yeah, you felt the sense of... Check the brain behind them, Chekhov's yes, brain, yes, yes. which I loved. And then the best of all for me was Michael Boyd at Stratford did the whole of the hist- uh, of the history. Oh, Shakespeare's yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. And he did them in, I think they did them in two different ways. They did them in the order in which they were written. And then, but the, the one I went to was the Order of the Kings. Oh, yeah. And so you went and that was like, I think it was three days or maybe right. even three and a half. And then you started with Henry the Fourth and you ended with Richard the Third. Yeah. And you had this sense of the whole pageant of English history opening up before yes. you. And I still feel enormously fond of that company of actors. I will see people like um Jeffrey Streetfield or or, or, or Jonathan Stringer. Yeah. And I'll think, oh, I spent a day with you yeah. once, you know. It, it and watching that sense of them bringing a story to life. It's really, and I always think audiences should get the applause as much as the actors at that point, because you, you can't, you know, one can't exist without the other. I mean, I haven't seen The Cursed Child, but I believe that people feel similarly about that when yes, they do they the did. double we, whammy. Yeah, we did. We went and did that. And in that the was same magic. day. Yes. And it is, it is that thing of when you see that, that things start to inform um, each other and that the performances that people give when they're changing characters between and you, you get, you're watching that and it, and it's, there is something completely glorious about it. And I, I think that, um, really absorbing, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and yeah, there's an interesting thing about that there, that we go to the theatre traditionally in the evening and that a matinee is sort of almost breaking that rhythm. And I had a similar thing years and years ago when we were doing uh, Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe and we do a really, really early performance. There was one particular day we did three performances, which Gosh. of course with pantomimes they do all the time. There might be like an 11 o'clock show, a one o'clock show and a five o'clock show. Um, and we also, uh, at the RSC, we used to do, when the Fringe still existed in the summer, we'd do a late, late show. Wow. So we'd finish the evening show and then there'd be another show that started at 11 o'clock at night. And there's, again, there's something mad about that, but also glorious. Mm. And that you get this sort of second or third wind. There's something in that economy where you only, you don't, you're not sort of going on all cylinders and so you think more economically right. about what you're doing. And so in some ways you could argue that it's a little bit like when you, you speak in a foreign language, you can't waffle. Yeah. So you have to be very, very clear in your thinking. Yeah. And so there's an economy of thought because you don't necessarily have this large sort of glossary of words to be able to use. And I think the same thing happens when you're slightly tired on stage or you've done it for, you know, before for a matinee or you've done it the night before and you're coming in for the matinee and I and I love that I love the fact that there's a phrase which is you leave yourself alone right so you you have you you carry less and you listen more and you sort of lean into the company more and that's when things start to fizz and get really exciting I was we were talking the other day about Sammy Davis Jr completely off topic 
but also oh, an entertainer. Never, never off topic. But he, uh, he was such an interesting man on so many levels. But, you know, he had the most extraordinary uh, life. And uh, But the main thing that drove him was, a, was an absolute unadulterated love of performing on stage. Right. And there was a story, there was a documentary on the radio that I listened to a couple of years ago, which I really would love to try and track down again because it was just brilliant. And he talked about the guy that was um, had put it together. Forgive me, I can't remember his name, but he talked about having performing in London, and that so many people were such sort of massive fans of his, who were also performing, that he agreed to do a sort of midnight show for people who were on stage. Right. And apparently, the stories of the people were in the room, and it went on till about five in the morning. Because they just hit a rhythm. Right. And he was That's sort of amazing. telling stories yeah. and riffing and they were, you know, I, I don't know if other people got up on stage with him, but it was just this one-off event. that You you hit a certain hour of the night, you can just keep going. And the, and so what then happened was it became, its, it had its own momentum and he performed literally for five hours straight. Wow. And it, and it's, it's that, that you hit this other groove yeah. and... and Something kicks in, and and so the matinee or the the sort of oddly timed performance is is brilliant for that. Yeah. You hit another groove, and so and I think you know for me acting on stage on screen anything you know, as an audience member whatever it's about communication and it's communicating stories and listening. And so the the more you are into that sort of Venn diagram of listening the better. Yeah. And so that's what it gives you and that's why they're special. And I think it's and it's really really lovely when an audience just are there and I mean we've had some brilliant audiences this week although there was you know This is for Marjorie Prime. I didn't realize we haven't said the name of the play. Marjorie, Marjorie Prime, the many chocolate. Yes. yes. It was this brilliant American audiences. play I'm doing at the uh the uh, Many a Chocolate Factory and it's quite you know I think it seats like 180 so it's a very small theater. So when people comment on what you're doing, you can hear them. Yeah. But it's but I love it for that because it's you know it's not television and we're all in it together and everybody has the right and it's I always think sort of heckling of any kind or whispering about a performance, if it doesn't distract you, yeah. is proprietorial. It's an audience as long as they're not talking about something completely different, like where they're going to go for their tea. <laughs> yes, you know if they're talking about the show. It, it, they're sort of in it. In it, yes. And I true. love it for that. I had, I, I, when you say that, I remember that I had my worst um, theatrical experience at a meditation because the other thing is, I think you go in, you kind of go in uh, perhaps a bit more casual than you maybe would in the evening. Yeah. And I, it was again, and I think it was again in Agatha Christie. It was definitely starring um, uh, Jenny Seagrove. All right. And um, I was... <laughs> bang in the middle of a row really quite near the stage really enjoying it having a fabulous time and my phone went off oh and I couldn't find it it was that terrible terrible oh. moment where you couldn't I couldn't find it oh, no. and the whole cast just stopped and they looked at me and it was so obvious it was me while I was kind of scrabbling and getting everything out of my bag yeah and so since then I have been obsessive about turning my phone off in a matinee and that is this sort of other danger because uh uh I I, I suppose I suppose actors who do vary in their attitudes to matinees. I've been reading this week a lot about Hamlet. Right. Um, 
because I'm writing a, a programme essay for the National Theatre, which I'm really enjoying. Yeah. And as always with these things, I'm massively over-researched, so I now, I now could write a book yeah. on Hamlet rather than a 1,500-word piece. However, one of the things that's so interesting is how different the the actors' attitudes to doing it were. So yeah. that... Derek Jacobi, I think, used to love doing it twice in a day because he thought he felt exactly what you're describing, that the kind of you became the person and a kind of clarity emerged. Yeah. Whereas Daniel Day-Lewis, who um, famously sort of left mid-performance at the National um, when he did Hamlet, he found it overwhelmingly burdensome on matinee days yes, so that yes. he's, he was so um, worked up about wanting to make it the perfect performance right. that on matinee days when he felt he had to do that twice with and it was a long version I think they did the four-hour version wow he, he just became so exhausted and overwrought that he he just it, it became the matinee days particularly became a nightmare for him oh dear um, and then you get people like Gilgood who kind of just completely took it in their stride. Yes, yeah. Um, I must say, you met a nice story that Joe told me the other day about John Gilgood. About, I go, who, uh, he was, I mean, forgive my impression, but he was talking about John Gilgood famously. Oh, uh, he was saying, uh, oh, you must never, never pause in Shakespeare. Never pause. Uh, you know, I, I paused once in a matinee and I could hear from the circle, oh, you beast, I, you, you've come all over my umbrella. <laughs> John Gilded, good impression. But it was so funny the idea that someone gone for a matinee just with a bit of naughtiness and this at Royal Circle. <laughs> but I suppose that's absolutely the case when people were, were were kind of and you know did treat the theatre as kind of you know exactly like the yeah, yeah. just another form of entertainment. There were all those regional touring shows going on and on. And uh, actually, Gilgood, I mean, tangentially, the more I read about Gilgood, the more kind of magnificent I yeah. think he was. And uh, um, I grew I grew up always thinking he was kind of old hat. Yeah. And now I think, oh, my goodness, he was so funny and so clever. And I'd have loved to see him do things, which I don't, I never saw him on a stage, actually. But didn't he famously always do the cryptic crossword? And then he admitted years later that he was just filling it out with words <laughs> that fitted. No, I think it's brilliant. I, I do know that. I think I've quoted him before saying that, uh, which is very appropriate to this podcast of saying, uh, "What's the perfect review?" And he said, "Oh, five thousand words of unadulterated <laughs> praise." <laughs> <laughs> just, just kind of weird oh, how quick he was. Yeah, um, and also how you know you read more about him and how he did suffer, and that you know he's he's a brilliant character. Yes, um, but yeah. So so the so but. To going back into the matinee, I mean, I do think there is a sense of, I don't know, uh, that that kind of, um, I, I miss the fact, I think that's where Jamie Lee Curtis is right. I would like generally yeah. there to be more options on timing in theatre. Yes. Because I think you don't, I, I know this came up actually a bit in the pandemic where they started to try different times. Yeah. And it's always difficult because if you start a show at six or seven or you put on an extra matinee, yeah, then people get a bit confused. So I, I went to, again, to uh, the ballet the other evening and it was a seven o'clock start, which was lovely from my point of view because it was three hour, three hour ballet. Yeah. And, uh, but in fact, quite a lot of people arrived at 20 past seven. It was, yeah. And it was clear that they just had it in their heads that it was starting time. But I love the idea of five o'clock starts and seven yeah. o'clock starts so that people could choose different things. And I do think, I mean, it's never really talked about with theatre, that the whole business of transport to and from the theatre is one yes. of the great 
disincentives of audience for audiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because especially if you're coming from outside London, the trains both to or or indeed going to see a show outside yes. London. Yes. Um, Stratford being the absolute classic example, yeah, yeah. Chichester, Birmingham. It's really hard to get to the place, see the show, and then get back in the evening. Yes. And it becomes a tension because in the last, you could you can actually feel it in the in at Stratford sometimes. If it's overrunning, yeah. you can feel people looking at their watch, thinking, yeah, yeah. "How am I going to get back to where I'm getting to?" Because the trains are so rubbish to Stratford. Yeah. And I think that it would help, you know, we, we talk a lot about what theatre needs in um, times of trial. And I think one of the things it needs is a bit, it needs a transport system improving, please note government. Yeah. But it also needs a bit of kind of inventive thinking on timings and, and, and you know, just giving different options and seeing what happens. And the Sunday yeah. matinee, of course, is quite an interesting well, um, is it, yeah, because I remember when that first came in, well, I was at the National Nick, when Nick Heitner was running it and he was sort of trialling it on one of our shows. Right. And initially there was sort of outrage, really, particularly if you had kids, because you're like, well, Sunday's, Sunday's <laughs> the day of rest. And that's, you know, you know when you get through the two shows on Saturday, you've got that Sunday to just flop. Yeah. And, and so to then go, oh, God, Christ, there's one more. I mean, it is... It was very interesting this last Sunday that Joe and I both had a, a Sunday matinee and we came back and got absolutely rattled because we just, <laughs> we were like, woohoo! And it is this thing that you, your rhythm of the matinee and, oh my gosh, I get to go home, I've done it! Yeah. You know, it was quite fun, but then we, we partied a little bit too hard. But the, um, it is interesting because as an audience member, I like it because it means I get to see shows. If I'm on stage, I can still yes. grab a Sunday matinee. Yeah. It means I can take the kids to see stuff, you know, if it isn't interrupting their plans or whatever. That it, it, There is a great convenience to it. Yeah. So I can see the argument for it. Performing it, however, is is strange. But it is it is quite nice. You then actually get two nights off because you get Sunday night off and right. then Monday and night Monday off night. and then come back. So in effect, you get the longer break. But it, I remember years ago doing a farce in town and they experimented with a Friday matinee. Oh, golly. But it, I mean... It is interesting, and I think I think you're absolutely right because you you're then ultimately. I mean, it's traditional, isn't it? People generally will start a show seven, seven fifteen, seven thirty, and that's how you know. And at the moment, the show that I'm doing is only seventy three minutes long, right. so we're down by eight forty five. Yeah. So people come Love out. I know everybody's <laughs> been going. God, how glorious! Really intense. Really interesting. Really makes exactly. you think. And you're on a train by nine o'clock. Yeah. You know, so that's great. But it's, um, I think there's a lot to be said for it. And as you say, you know, as as somebody with kids as well, I look at what I can get them to because if I, I love taking them out. And But seven a 7.30 start, the second half, my now 12-year-old boy, as of yesterday, wriggles like anything because his concentration span yeah. is harder at that time of night. He's getting tired yeah. and there's a sort of frenzy that he still has to stay awake and he can't just sort of slow down. Um, and so, you know, the matinees are brilliant for that. The weekend matinees, you you get lots of kids. And that's also nice. You've got that yeah. sense um, of people, you know, that introduction to theatre, which alters um, the, the tone. I wonder, to sort of draw to a conclusion, whether there is a, a good, a perfect show for a matinee. I mean, Standing at the Sky's Edge definitely yeah. felt quite close to that. 
I, I've booked to go and see Medea at a matinee. Oh, amazing. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it because um, Sophie Arcanado and Ben Daniels at Soho Place and it's meant to be absolutely brilliant and I'm yeah. really, really sad to miss it. But as I booked it, I booked it to, at a matinee really because I've got a friend who lives in Kent and she definitely finds the going home yeah. tricky and so we decided it would be very nice to go to a matinee together and she wanted to see it and I said, okay. And then as I booked it, I thought, hmm. <laughs> Yeah. How will Greek tragedy go down in the middle of the day? Yeah. Um, and I think that the, um, I, I don't know the answer to that. I will find out. But I think it probably will be brilliant because it will have that, what we started off talking about, that kind of sense of absorption and that sense of, of, of leaning in. Yeah. Because people have chosen to go and see it at that time. But they ought to do it. Years and years ago, I used to work for a, what was called a below the line advertising company, which is basically everything. Um, except, apart from television. And they used to do these things called third-party tie-ups right. where you'd get like um, on-package competitions to go and see something or other or, you know, tickets to a fairground or whatever it was. You know, there are three companies involved and they've, they've come together to form something that's an attractive promotion. It, it seems to me that given that, you know, that people are always travelling, that they generally need to eat and they may want to go to a show, that the transport systems and local restaurants and theatres ought to be talking to each yeah. other. Because you've got the pre-theatre menus. I mean, that's, that's a given. Very nice. And post-theatre menus. I had a menus. very nice pre-theatre menu the other day for okay. a show that was cancelled. Oh, no. Tangent. Okay, for, <laughs> but, but it is interesting, you know, that in a way, there could... A lot, they, there might be something worth investigating in, you know, if you're traveling in to see a particular show and you have a QR code that says you're going to see this show and you're coming on the train, that you get either some kind of discount or, you know, uh, free live tracker updates for the train that you're going to get afterwards. You know, and then this is where you can grab your food or you get a discounted drink because they know you've come from far yeah. or whatever. So that you acknowledge the effort involved yeah. and that actually that people get rewarded for that in some way. And then those three different parties all get a bit of free advertising, yeah. you know, yeah. that actually just use the, the sort of, you know, social media networking things for the for to get people back into yeah and I think back into might, shows. Yeah, and I think that would be nice because a matinee is always rewarding I can't actually interestingly remember any bad matinees I've been no. to, which is a really interesting psychological thing and I I do think I I like seeing things out of time you know it's, it's a bit like saying I'm just going to go to the cinema and I'm going to watch every film you know you can do that thing where you with the different times you can just watch a film after yes film yes after film and that it's it sort of slow slightly transgressive but also kind of completely satisfying because you're doing something that's interesting and like it's culturally absorbing and uh, that you wouldn't otherwise do and you so. come out still having a chunk of the day to, to enjoy yeah. and it's still light it's still light at the moment and that is such joy and it is long go walk and and then perhaps go back in for an evening show yeah 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 <laughs> it's also nice with with double bills i think that that's the other thing that you can either go to a different theater or when theaters will do two shows together like you you know saying about the Chekhovs and stuff and then yeah. it, you're just drenched yeah my, my, my editor and friend at Watson stage um, had an extraordinary day this week where he went to see uh drive your plow over the bones of the dead at the Barbican which oh, is yeah. three and a half hours I think as a matinee and then he went to streetcar named desire in the evening gosh and he described it as drive your streetcar over your desire <laughs> and he loved both shows yeah yeah <laughs> so that's, that's brilliant had a very very good day yeah 
Anyway, that's another episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic with me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And me, Sarah Crompton, the critic.